I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation. Uh, I hope you're all well. Uh, apologies, it's just me tonight. Stocks, unfortunately, is still a little bit under the weather. So um, it is just me. Um, I'm going to quickly go through uh, everything that I've got planned for this evening uh, and talk. So I don't have a guest. Uh, feel free to chime in with uh, any comments or chats or, or whatever. Apologies for starting a little bit late as well. Um, I have been um, talking or on video calls, etc., in a day job and etc., for uh, close to 13 hours now. Um, so, uh, voice might be going. I'm going to try and be as succinct and as good as possible. But uh, I hope you're well. And uh, I mentioned uh, on yesterday's bonus pod, which I'll get to in a second, uh, it'll be a strategy pod that's going to be tomorrow morning. So, that's going to come out uh, tomorrow morning as well. So, uh, keep an eye on that. Um, a good thing it's Thursday night football is not a barn burner uh this week so um hope everybody enjoyed the pod yesterday bit different had a couple of requests thought it would be useful uh feedback i've had so far has been pretty positive but yeah would like to hear a bit more and see if that was useful uh for all of you as well so um let's dive into into everything um i've got to talk about um so first of all in terms of uh if this is the first show that we've been um Appreciate you joining in. Uh, appreciate you coming by, and yeah, it's 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 great to always have new listeners. I know we pick up new listeners all the time. I, I never want to take for granted that we don't get new listeners. Um, at the same point, I don't want everyone to just assume they've been listening for for forever. So, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching this on the live stream, thanks very much. Um, you can download the podcast, and listen to it afterwards. If you're not watching on the on the live stream, why aren't you? You can copy, you can follow it on uh, Twitter or 
on Facebook or on um, YouTube. Um, just a note, as always, that I don't see comments on Twitter they, or X or whatever we're calling it. Um, the platform doesn't pull those through into the panel. It's only on YouTube and Facebook. So uh, if you've ever written on comments on Facebook and wonder why I don't bring them up, uh, that's uh, a good reason why. And you can interact, interact with me on the Twitter machine, X machine, whatever, call it, Elon Musk Playground, uh, at Murph underscore NFL. Uh, I do try and get back to as many queries as I can, um, especially if you're people I, I uh, know you've been listening for years. But even if you're a new listener, reach out to me. Let me know you're a new listener, and I'll, I'll get back to you as, as quick as can. Let's just go into some things that really surprised me for week nine. And the first would, would definitely be um, uh, Cole Komet. So, you know, he scored two touchdowns for the second time uh, this season. Um, and it's the fourth time he's done it in the last two seasons. Um but the big thing is his usage. He's gone really through the roof under uh, Tyson uh, Bajit. Um, he's actually had 18 targets in the last two weeks with Bajit. He's had 79 receiving yards, 55 receiving yards, which is actually quite impressive for a tight end. Um, and he's had 17.9 fantasy points and 23.5 uh, fantasy points in those weeks. So um, Cole Komet, while Tyson Bajit is playing, and it looks like Tyson Bajit is going to play this week um, with Justin Fields uh, doubtful. Uh, as it currently stands, it looks like uh, another good week to start and fire up Cole Komet at the position. So make sure you're doing that. Um, it's really interesting with um, the Patriots right now. So Juju Smith-Schuster his best game as a Patriot. Uh, six receptions on seven targets, 51 yards. Still not a big volume, right? It's not amazing. The PPR game is 11 points. It's fine. But in any other format, it's not overly startable. Um Demario uh, Douglas caught five of his seven targets, 55 yards, and Jalen Rager was targeted six times. Still think Douglas, Douglas is the thing. I still think he's the guy they'll go to and use more often, but it, I was a surprise to see him spread it around as much as it has, especially Rager's usage and Jishu Smith's usage. Just keep an eye on that. And there were more QB injuries. Jaron Hall and his first NFL start got injured in the first quarter, rushing for the goal line. And then uh, we lost Daniel Dimes, uh, Daniel Jones for the season as well. So really, really tough time at the moment for um, for quarterbacks. We're really sort of struggling, which kind of points me on to the main learning point. And I've always sort of played fantasy football in this state of I wouldn't necessarily roster two QBs in a one QB league. And I think we're now getting to the point where you might have to consider it if there's a worthy alternative. And by that, I mean like a Sam Howe, even like a Deshaun Watson, I definitely think they are people that you might have to consider uh, rostering in in fantasy football in a 1QB league and having them because the rate of injuries this year is just supreme. And on top of that, just looking at the landscape of the drop-off now, we're going to have Tommy DeVito is going to start this week for the Jets. He's going to be the 10th rookie quarterback to start which is an nfl record right and we've had some good rookies start this week so i'm not going to uh this season but we got bryce young cj stroud anthony richardson no one overly surprised will levis yeah, small surprise but not massive then we've had aiden o'connell who isn't lighting the world up at any church uh dorian thompson robson or dtr who was dreadful uh, Tyson Bajit's been surprisingly really good, um, especially from a fantasy perspective. Clayton Toon, horrible last week. Jaron Hall lasted a quarter, got injured. 
And now we've got Tommy DeVito. I mean, the position is as bad as it's ever been in fantasy football. So having that extra roster QB might now, and I'm not saying you should definitely do it, but I think you have to consider it. Um, if you've got an elite option, especially with buys coming up, you're going to have to be really smart in terms of rostering a quarterback for those buys and plan ahead. I'll talk a little bit about this on the strategy pod because I think it is uh, an area where you could get some advantage. More importantly, some trade bait. You could actually use this as a leverage in a trade if you are rostering two QBs. I would never have done it in a one QB league really before. However, for this season, I think it's starting to get to the point where it's valuable. Um, I'm now going to get into talking about some uh, trends to follow. So in terms of, I do this every week. If you're not familiar, I pick out um, all the stat lines, everything I can find, and there's more out there on the internet. But these are the ones I found the most interesting um, and things to trend and look at going forward. I feel this is a really important process to identify for start sits, but also looking at potential buy low, sell high candidates as well. So uh going to go through some of these. Jonathan Taylor uh, is going to be first up. 76% of snaps. Uh, he ran routes on 75% of snaps. Um, and he also had significant, uh, high, what we call high value touches. He had six of those. Um, so we're now talking about with the way that this team plays up tempo, we see a lot of plays in this team. We're starting to talk about uh, Jonathan Taylor potentially being a top five, top six running back for the rest of the season if this trend continues. So it's a good time to just start him with confidence and at the same time fading Zach Moss out into the sunset. And if you can get a decent price uh, for selling him, especially with the desperation position, that's something you should really be considering. I think you might be a week too late, but definitely see if you can still try and push him somewhere. Let's talk about Taysom Hill. He's had some phenomenal weeks uh, as of late. He had a career-high 42% rush attempt share um, on Sunday. He's getting loads of red zone work at the moment in all facets. So he's getting it throwing, he's getting it receiving, and he's getting it rushing, which is just uh, wild, really. But ultimately, he is throwing and catching uh, TDs, especially in this game. That's exactly what he did. Uh, but he's a huge red zone weapon. He's almost a banker to get into the touch uh, to the end zone most weeks. So uh, with that, because of the fact he's effectively likely to get in the touchdown uh, touchdown every week, he is a starter in, in fantasy football at the tight end position. The fact you can play him at tight end is a real luxury with the position really in a bad spot. You can start him every week and you should. Um, a point on this, and I've talked about this quite a bit this season, that projections are really, really bad, probably the worst ever. Taysom Hill's projections on Sleeper are absolutely gross. They're like two to four points. Just ignore that because people are following those blindly and as a result aren't starting Taysom Hill. He's put up 20-plus points the last three weeks. You've got to start him. Ultimately, you've got to start Taysom Hill in most formats of fantasy football. Um Let's talk about T. Higgins. I know he's banged up. I know he's not uh, practicing at the moment, um, but fingers crossed that happens. Uh, but he has season high, 110 yards, uh, nearly scored a touchdown as well in this game. And he looks, wow. I, I put in the notes, he looked a lot healthier um, on Sunday and he did, but obviously now it turns out he is banged up. Um, I do think that um, he is a bye candidate. Um, yes, especially with this injury, we're hoping it's not too big a setback. The fact that, he hasn't been ruled out, says it's not going to be a big thing. He might have to sit this week. 
I think T Higgins is a real buy low candidate. I think he's someone that a current fantasy manager might just want to ship out, not happy with the production they're getting there. So that's what I'd potentially look at. Um, another buy low candidate I want to talk about, I haven't really put stats on him this week because uh, there wasn't too much to talk about, is DK Metcalf. I think we're, we're prime. DK Metcalf in half point PPR, I think he's the four, wide receiver 46. Um, I wrote this up for um, Fantasy Pros. It should be dropping uh, tonight, tomorrow. Um, but he has an incredible matchup this week. He has the best matchup on the board. I could see DK Metcalf potentially, and I'm not saying he is, but potentially could put up a wide receiver one week. If you're looking to acquire a wide receiver that's heavily underperformed, that might have some really good games up ahead, if they can put it together, DK Metcalf. And if you can get him in your lineup for Sunday, even better, because I think he is going to potentially have a very, very good week. That buy low window could shut on Sunday if he does have this great week. Uh, that it could happen with this matchup that he's got. So I would be looking. He's up against Emmanuel Fords of Washington. People think Washington, you know, not a bad defense. Ultimately, Emmanuel Fords is the worst cornerback in the NFL when it comes to fantasy points given up per route run against him, um, per target route run against him. So ultimately, what you want to look at is this is a great matchup. It's an opportunity to have um, Emmanuel Forbes uh be destroyed by DK Metcalf and have that stocks. How are you feeling? I didn't think you were joining. I've been saying you're not been feeling too well. Uh, I, I'm all right. I uh had a bit of trouble with bedtime with the lad, so it just took me over and uh yeah, jumped on as soon as I could. Oh my friend, well it's good to good to have you. I've been rattling through uh the show doc and the one thing I hadn't uh done because this is what happens when you uh let me run loose is uh do our read for Manscaped. And I've got to say, the beard's looking uh, tip-top. I see you've had a bit of a trim since the last time I saw you on camera as well. Well, it was, uh, it was my anniversary on Monday, so it would have been remiss of me to uh, not had a strong beard game for our anniversary. So, yeah, obviously the, the Manscaped products definitely came in handy for that. I used, I used what did I use? I used the uh, hedge trimmer to start with because it was a little bit unruly. Then I used... The what did I use next? Did I go straight in with the handyman, or was there a little bit of? Uh... No, I think I just I think I got it short enough with the hedge trimmer that the the handyman tidied up the rest of the stubble. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market and got me looking all fleek for uh, my anniversary Monday. So, uh, yeah. And happy, and happy anniversary. Did you have a good one? What did you do Thank for you. it? Um, it was, yeah, it was all right. It was pretty chill. Um, 
we just went up we're lucky enough that up the road from us we've got a big manor house that does afternoon teas so we just uh, took a stroll up there literally walked which was nice then not to walk anywhere anymore so we walked up the road and had an afternoon tea for for lunch it was it was nice it was good just to spend a bit of time me and her considering we don't normally get as a as a parent nowadays two time is is very rare especially with emma studying at uni and both of us having full-time jobs now it's it's difficult so yeah it was nice it was nice i hear you my friend i hear you so do check out if you want to look box fresh like stocks do check out manscape.com use the code uh five yard for 20 percent off plus free shipping um make sure you do that i can't rate it high enough i did mine uh at the weekend as well i've seen the in-laws thought i tidied myself up as well so um nice combination of the head trimmer and the handyman uh, to get it done i might use the handyman i'm starting to get a bit strong here you can't see it fair <laughs> head but ultimately i might be going ahead and doing that as well so make sure you check that out as well so um i was just talking about uh i talked about things that surprised me cole Komet, etc injuries quarterbacks talk about potentially rostering uh two qbs in the one qb league now because the drop-off is so so bad with tommy devito starting on sunday um being the 10th rookie to start at the position this season which is an nfl record and then started going through some of the statistical trends i've covered off taylor uh Taysom hill higgins is there anything you want to add is there anything you've seen this week or in fantasy that you think is is relevant before uh, we drive back onto the train i think for me it's just obviously you you mentioned the quarterbacks it is it's brutal out there right now and it's it's good it's it's not only brutal i mean the amount of times i my my strategy this year was to go for the mid-range quarterback the the start of the mid-range quarterbacks and invariably that was aaron Rodgers and kirk cousins so Quite a lot of my teams have been decimated, and then if I had, if it was a two quarterback league, there was often a lot of Jared Goff in there as well, and obviously he was on bye last week, so a lot of my two quarterback or superflex teams last week, I I started one quarterback, and in I think at least three places that was Jaron Hall because he was the only fella available on waivers, and I mean he, he played four snaps or something like that, didn't he, and then was done, so. It was brutal. He was running for the end zone. So he got he broke free. He was running for the end zone. I think he played about eight minutes. Um, obviously not entirely because the offense and the defense, but I think it was about eight minutes in, maybe slightly less. I, I it was definitely in the first quarter and he was running to the end yeah. zone. He got he got hit and that was that was the end of that. Um yeah. And then and then we watched Josh Dobbs absolutely just ball out, which it's interesting because I a lot of people want to give Josh Dobbs um a bit of hate he's not really a great quarterback but you've got to understand he got traded on tuesday or monday night or tuesday whatever it was he had two days with the team he'd moved he had to relocate so he obviously not packed everything up and moved but he's had to effectively move into a hotel so he's not in a house or if he is in a house it's unfurnished it's not familiar it's not home like so he's effectively staying in some form of accommodation goes with the team has no practice not practice with any of these guys he's had to sort himself out so he had no practice with the team and then he's come on and won a game i mean 
it's a phenomenal effort. And regardless of what people think of Joshua Dobbs as a player or his fantasy level or his skill level or whatever, it the guts and determination and, and heart to pull that out is nothing short of incredible. Like no. nothing short of incredible. There aren't many people that can do what he did on Sunday, especially as it's a game-winning drive. They're down four late. They score with less than a minute left. I mean, it's an unbelievable effort. It really, really is. Like, I don't like the term superhuman, but I, I would almost put it in that bracket. I think it's an impressive performance that has been lost, I think, in the media of this week. And I think, mm. you know, shout out to Josh Dobbs. It was an incredible performance. And uh, if I you mean, haven't watched it, go back and watch it. I've seen reports that he was getting plays read to him as the clock was ticking down before his mic was disabled, plays that he didn't even really know were being relayed to him in his helmet. And then he was just, I mean, the guy worked for NASA, so he's yeah. obviously pretty smart. But yeah, to I mean, we, we see Kyler this week um, and yeah. he could be really rusty and he's been in and around that team. Yes, granted, he hasn't played football and Josh Dobbs has. But like you say, what Josh Dobbs has done in, effectively two and a half, three days compared to somebody who's been around the team whilst being injured is phenomenal. A game-winning drive after essentially being in that job for, what we're talking, 15 hours, 20 hours, something like that. I don't even think he was in the job. I don't even think you can say that because he, he, he didn't take the field with the team. Again, he's relocated. He's gone from Arizona to Minnesota. It's not a short journey. It's not like he's popped down yeah. the road. It's not like he can travel back between the two. It's ultimately he's had to pack some stuff in the case, travel. And listen, I know it's the NFL. I know he's not traveled on a bus, and I know that it's not like <laughs> he's slumming it somewhere. Like, I appreciate he's in pretty decent digs wherever he is. But ultimately, he's not in a home. He's not had time to acclimatize to a city he doesn't know, where he doesn't know anybody. You know, it's not like he knows a load of people and he's got a support network around him. He doesn't know anyone. In the, he might know a couple of members of the team, but I don't think he knows that many, if any at all. And then it, it's all about rhythm and timing. He's got none of that. He's literally played backyard ball. He's literally just picked it up with a bunch of guys and just and, and done his best. And it's a phenomenal effort. And I think... You know, I like stories like that because it's just you don't see it enough. Some and for the most part, good. But um, and then when it comes to Kyler, I I share a slightly different view with you. I think it is very different for Kyler. He's on his what third head coach now, um, with a third difference. I almost think in some ways it's harder because whilst. Josh Dobbs didn't expect to play. He suited up because he was the only other quarterback fit. I mean, it got to the point that um, if Josh Dobbs had got injured, then Cam Akers was listed as the emergency quarterback. And then he got injured in the game. <laughs> so I don't actually know what would have happened had Joshua Dobbs got injured. Because I don't know who then would have been the designated quarterback. I imagine it would have been Alexander Matteson. And I imagine it would have been some, I don't know what it would have been. Um, well, we saw a couple of instances with this because we also saw with the Texans in the Buccaneers. Game. I was, I, don't know I, was, I was just gonna, uh, I was just gonna ask you what's more impressive: Joshua Dobbs coming on and playing quarterback, or Dare Ogonbowale kicking a field goal and then.
kicking a kickoff through the end zone. <laughs> like, I, 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 I still think it's, I still think it's Josh Dobbs because I think me too. I, I, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not disputing what Darren Gabawale did was great, and it's against his old team. He was a captain on that team. He knows a lot of those players. It's an emotional thing. There's a lot of things going through his head, and like, but fair play. But ultimately. He, he's taking a kick and, and it's about timing and fair play. You know, he had some warm ups and stuff at half time, and he went out there and he did it and it is much difficult, much more difficult in the game, but effectively it was also a shot to nothing. It's if he misses the field goal, it doesn't ultimately, it actually did in the end because that was the, the margin of victory, but effectively no one expected him to make it and they didn't yeah. trust him to take extra points. So it was kind of like it's a shot to nothing. He's got a zero pressure environment. Whereas Josh Dobbs there wasn't much expectation, actually there was because one he's a quarterback, he touched the ball a lot more. He has played this season. The other thing you have to consider with Josh Dobbs is he in the back of his mind knows he can't get hurt because there is no other quarterback on that roster because yeah. the rest of them are now injured or on IR. So it's an it's in the back of his head. He's like, I've got a shot to nothing here in the sense of no one's expecting me to do anything. But at the same token, if I don't play to a level, I'm going to get injured. So he had no choice but to play to a game speed, whether that's the correct game speed with the rest of the team. But he couldn't take it easy because if you take it easy at quarterback, you get hit and then you get hurt. So it's not like he could just like go, oh, well, you know, I'll take it easy. Because taking it easy is actually worse in that environment because you get injured. So I, that, to me, is why it's so much more impressive because he has to play at a game speed level. that It still might not be equal to everybody else, but it has to be equal enough to where he's not getting injured. So yeah. I, I think it's a phenomenal effort. It, it, it hasn't been talked about enough for me this week. Um, but there you go. I think it's... Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And actually, you know, I'll bring him up. I segue it back to going through some of the some of the stats with Josh Dobbs, and and ultimately, he's interesting now when we talk about fantasy quarterbacks. I don't, I'm not saying you should go out and add him, but ultimately, if you've got the choice between Josh Dobbs, Tommy DeVito, Aiden O'Connell, um, you know, there isn't really much. Like we're at the point where we, we're sort of dragging our feet here with the remaining. Even someone like Mac Jones, I'd probably be adding Joshua Dobbs. So I, I looked at my my rankings. Um, I've got Josh Dobbs this week. At this is how bad QB is. I got him a QB sixteen this week. I actually have him, and, the, uh, and I'm going to get some hate for this. I actually have him above Will Levis and jo- and Deshaun Watson just because he will run around. <laughs> That's ultimately it. I've just taken it on the rushing yard floor. Do, um, do you think he's going to run around knowing there's no one else, though? Or What do you mean? Like, is Jaron Hall back? No, he's playing. That, that's what I mean. So, if Jaron Hall isn't back, who's the other quarterback? Who's going to be behind Joshua Dobbs? That is a great question. So, if I go on to the Minnesota Vikings uh, depth chart... Because, like you say, yes, he has a mobility upside, but is he going to be allowed to run around if there is no one else? Well, Jaron Hall hasn't officially been ruled out, so he's listed officially as as questionable. Uh, yeah, I think I think they, that's his game. I think that's what you've taken him on. Um, 
so yeah, I think you're looking at that and thinking they probably will let him go. And if not, yeah, I imagine it'll be Alexander Matheson or or Ty Chandler that will be playing quarterback if he goes down. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's so bad, like, what's going on at the quarterback <laughs> position. I mean, like, Carson Wentz has been signed now um, to to the Rams, and I reckon he's going to get some some goes at some point. They're on bye this week, so that's a problem you can kick down the road. But I just think it's, it's crazy what we're seeing at the moment. But, yeah, that's the quarterback position. But I, the thing with Josh Dobbs is, again, I think the fact that you've got this offense, this offense is better than it is in Arizona. So I think you're going to see an increase in uh, passing. I think you're going to see the fact he's got good receivers around him. He'll feel more confident throwing the football. And ultimately, this run game's bad. Like, it's, Alexander Matteson has been horrendous. The only reason he is fantasy relevant is twofold. One, now that Cam Akers is injured, there's Ty Chandler behind him and no one else. So he's going to get the volume. But two, he's just about made about with it with volume slash receiving. But he's not been good. His rushing efficiency is arguably as bad as anybody in the NFL. Like on Sunday, he rushed for, let me pull the numbers up. I mean, it was it was bad. Uh, where can I find it? Oh, I've lost it. What have you got in front of you? Well, I was looking at his rushing efficiency for Sunday. Um, it was. I think it was like I haven't found it. I think it's like two point eight yards per carry. Uh, is this it? Well, that's terrible. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. He rushed sixteen times for forty-four yards. Well, <laughs> that's awful. Yeah. I mean, he, he legit has been awful running the football. He, oh, he, he has been so bad. Yeah, and that's that's my point. Is So I think, ultimately, Josh Dobbs is a reasonably good fantasy ad because they can't rely on the run. Like, at no. least in Arizona, he had James Conner. He'll bring a certain amount of rushing floor, and then he has got Jordan Addison, and then eventually he's going to have Justin Jefferson. Not this week, maybe next week, maybe not. We'll see what happens. But ultimately, he's going to have additional volume uh, of receivers that are light years ahead of what he had in Arizona. So I think, ultimately, I look at Josh Jobs and think he is a QB 15, QB 16 rest of the season. And that is a damning indictment on the rest of the position. But also, (laughs) at the same point, he's not going to be completely terrible. So, yeah, yeah, ultimately, Josh Jobs is, is worth... Uh, picking up, so I just thought I'd uh, pick that one. Uh, yeah, thought I'd just mention that one uh, and bring us back to some of these um, trends for this week. Um, Tuba Hubbard is the lead back. Miles Sanders is borderline droppable now, but I wouldn't just yet. I'd just see what happens. Sixty-three uh, percent of snaps he played, twenty touches, um, which was good, but the efficiency's been pretty ropey i think it's fair to say um so let's see what happens i think if he doesn't have a good rushing game again this week um what i mean by efficiency is that yards per carry right if he he's down at around about three ish so i think again if miles if if this if it continues to trend 
Um, we'll see tonight. Then I think ultimately it could go back to Mars Sanders, which is why I'm saying don't quit on Mars Sanders just yet, but it doesn't look good. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, um, 11 targets. So his second game without Dawson Knox in the lineup. His dot was pretty low, 3.8. And I talked about this last week as a trend that ultimately uh, when Dawson Knox went out, um, the short yardage stuff went to Kincaid and it went to Gabe Davis. Um, but Davis, Davis didn't get anything. He got absolutely none of the short yard stuff. So it looks like um, the the Bills, whereas last week they kind of shared around the Dawson Knox role, it's all going exclusively to Kincaid. So Kincaid to the moon while Dawson Knox is out, and that might be the end of Dawson Knox as a fantasy asset in, in Buffalo, in the tight end in Buffalo potentially. But ultimately, um, whereas I was thinking last week there's some um, usage with Gabe Davis short, that didn't happen. And now it's interesting because Khalil Shakir had a reasonable game. Is Gabe Davis going down the depth chart a little bit? Because he got he didn't get a lot of targets. He got no catches on Sunday. Or was it a game script thing? And I think they don't jump to too many conclusions because this is the Bills. They always like to mix it up. But mm. it it you know, it's one the monitor is one to keep an eye on. Uh, I have I have effectively picked the anti-Gabe Davis week every week this year. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, if I, yeah. it's more easily done than it should be allowed to be. That's, uh, that's uh, one thing I he, say. Yeah, he's murdered me. I, I have not... Last week, I had, I think, my worst fantasy week ever in the history of me playing fantasy football. I won one league. Uh, I had won one win out my entire... Everything I have, I had one win. That's um, brutal. Yeah, best everything, best balls, you name it. I had one win, wow. um, and I also had my first zero point zero one loss. Oh, god, that is rough. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's nice to have that uh, scoregami ticked off. But... <laughs> oh, god. No, it's not. But, no one ever yeah. wants that scoregami. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to go back to the Minnesota Vikings quickly, and I talked about Ty Chandler. He becomes a handcuff option, so he's definitely worth. Picking up in leagues because now with Cam Akers on IR, uh, you can pick up Chandler. Um, don't be too surprised if he starts to get involved in games. A um, couple of running backs to talk about here. Jerome Ford. So, again, people were jumping on this bandwagon of Kareem Hunt. He's going to be uh, the real mm. thing and he's going to like equal, he's going to challenge Jerome Ford. And I've been really consistent. I just didn't see it. Like, they didn't even sign Kareem Hunt to a contract. They promoted jo- uh, Jerome Ford above him. Jerome Ford was going to be the lead back. I'm not saying Kareem Hunt isn't a thing like he is. He's in this. They've always had two backs, but they were always going to lead with Ford. And we saw this on Sunday, 64% of snaps, 61% of routes run. Uh, and he is the clear lead back. It's not close. So Kareem Hunt takes a step back now that Ford is more fit. Pierre, Pierre Strong, not a thing. Yeah, you can roster him as a handcuff, but I don't see him having too much of a role unless somebody's going down hurt. So um, there's better handcuffs for me to own than than Jerome, uh, than Pierre Strong, sorry. Um, good to see Aaron Jones back to his best. Uh, 58% of snaps, which is about where he plays, that 58 to 60, somewhere between 55 and 60 is where he plays. So he was right in that range. That says to me he's at full health. 
uh, 53% of routes, 24 touches and 99 yards. So, yeah, great day for Aaron Jones owners. We might start to see uh, something out of him yet. The one I'm really excited about is Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson got his first touchdown in the regular season for almost two years. He's too good a player to have waited that long. I mean, that's another reason to fire Matt Canada. But uh, yeah, he's. I'm excited. If you uh, if you're a George Pickens owner, tada. He is done. It's all about Deontay Johnson. I think he could potentially be putting up some career numbers uh, rest of season. So uh, I'm bullish. Another, I think the buy-low window shut on Deontay Johnson. But if you did get him uh, and believe that something could happen, uh, yeah, all for him. Do you have much Deontay Johnson, mate? I have a little bit. My exposure's not massive. Um Trouble is, he's on the same teams where I had cousins, and it, I tried to spread bet my teams this year and not have because whatever happens in drafts, we talked about this. I tend to end up with the same guys, even though I don't try to. It um, so yeah, the teams where I've had Deontay have struggled because of other injuries, but it is nice to have him back to block some of those injury holes that are starting to build up, which is nice. But I haven't got too much. But I've got I've got enough to to be excited about the return, but not too much that I'm very excited. If that makes sense. No, that's fair. Definitely. Um, let's talk about some wide receivers here from Week Eleven. Uh, Dondre Hopkins. Uh, he had a big day. Eleven targets, 158 yards. He had 134 yards the week before against Levis. This week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a secondary that just seemed to just completely. I don't know what happened. Um, did they play? I'm not sure. It wasn't just like those inflatable man figures that sort of wave up and, and go like that in the air. <laughs> I argue they probably would have been just as effective as Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean um, were on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, I'd fire up Nuke Hopkins this week. Um, he's up against Jamal Dean, who literally was on toast. Everyone had him on toast uh, last week. So, um yeah, it should be another good week for Will Levison and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he's currently wide receiver 24. I'd expect him to break the top 20 this week. Um, and he is sneaky, sort of low-end wide receiver one if they get on track early. Um, but that is one of the best wide receiver cornerback matchups on the board. I wrote about that fantasy pros, which will drop uh, later on tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, speaking of Jamal Dean, because let's keep the Jamal Dean horror show going. He was supposed to be covering Tank Dell on uh sunday um did he no <laughs> um it's a short answer 222 air yards which is the second most in week nine tank dell is is clearly arrowing up and it ties in nicely with the um uh the texans uh pass rate over expected uh they were five and a half percent over expected in terms of passing it was a wild game um it went back to was high scoring 37 34 they, you know, they went down with a minute to go, launched it downfield, got a touchdown. It was 46 seconds on the clock when they got the ball. Um, so ultimately, they marched down the field and scored because the Buccaneers put no resistance up. And, I think it was, um, three, it was three three plays, wasn't it? Three plays, yeah, 46 It was three, three or four plays. It wasn't many at all. One was the big one out wide. Um, and then, then yeah, Tangdale scored the winning touchdown. 
Um, well, it wasn't. I wasn't a lot. I mean, it didn't take didn't take much to happen. Um, and ultimately, um, you know, when we when we look at this, it was a rookie performance by CJ Stroud. Most uh, uh, passing yards ever thrown by a rookie broke Andrew Luck's record. But ultimately, the passing rate over expected. We've talked about them just letting CJ Stroud cook and let him throw. That's clearly what they're continuing to do. Uh, the run game's pretty much abandoned. So, yeah, a huge pass rate over expected here uh, by the Texans. Um, and then also just going back to wide receivers, Garrett Wilson. Listen, we know that Zach Wilson is not great. And we know that it's a huge hit for um, for Garrett Wilson, that he's getting the ball from Zach Wilson. But he has posted 12 targets in four of his last five games. So volume is is great. He's a, still a fantasy play going forward. Yes, he doesn't have this high ceiling because he's got Zach Wilson throwing in the ball. But Garrett Wilson is still a sort of wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two play, purely just on the volume that he he gets. I uh, I found out an interesting fact today, Murph, that you might you might enjoy. I um, when when Denver built the new Mile High right next to the old Mile High Stadium. When you see the picture of the two, because they did what Tottenham Hotspur did, where they built the stadium on basically the same ground, and they had the corner off the old one and the corner off the new one while they built the final lapping bit on the new one. How many more seats do you think the new mile high has than the old mile high? Is this a trick question that has less? No, no, no. It's it's not a trick question. I don't know, like, uh, 18 more. Well, that's not a bad guess. It's two. So they got two <laughs> more seats. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. I am. Um, it's just, it's just <laughs> absolutely a random post popped up on my Facebook feed today. And I thought, Oh, I'll read that. And people were saying, well, if you actually look at the old stadium, the concourses were tiny, getting in and out was a nightmare. There wasn't enough toilets which is why the new Mile High looks much bigger. But yeah, there's only two more seats in the stadium than the old Mile High. Two so more seats. I thought, I thought that was quite interesting. Like, how do you how do you only add two more? Like, well, how does that even happen? It's not it's not really a round square number, is it, or anything that's useful no. for building to? It's not, uh, yeah. So there you go. You can save that one. I love it. That's awesome. I love stuff like that. Quick stuff like that I'm a big fan of. Um... Right, I've got a few more of these, and then any other business, and then we can we can wrap this up. Um, I, I've talked about Jeff Wilson. I said he was a sort of person to add, uh, but we know Devon Achan is coming back. Um, Jeff Wilson is at seventeen percent of snaps, so he's behind Salvin Almed. Uh, you can drop Wilson; he is not going to be a thing. Devon Achan, they're on by this week. I expect Devon Achan to, if not back next week, the week after. Either way, Jeff Wilson's not going to be fantasy relevant in well, he's not this week. I don't think he's gonna be fantasy relevant next week, even if Devon A. Chan is back. And then Devon A. Chan is back, and he's definitely not gonna be fantasy relevant. So yep. if you're holding on to Jeff Wilson hoping for the moon, he's gonna need two injuries for him to be relevant, maybe even three. <laughs> so uh yeah, I you can get rid of Wilson now. He's he's not gonna be a thing uh for the rest of the season. So he's clogging up a spot. Uh, go ahead and get rid of him. Another player you can get rid of uh, is Michael Mayer. Now, I talked about him glowingly, the volume is going the right way. 
but there's been changes, right? Coaching changes happened. They got rid of Josh McDaniels and they made a quarterback change and they got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he's been benched. So he's back down to 60% uh, of roots under the new staff. Um, Austin Hooper's up to 40%. So they're in a bit of a timeshare, but ultimately under Aidan O'Connell, he's just not getting the volume. Um, so you, I think you can... I think Michael Mayer might have one good week, potentially, if all conditions and everything goes right. I don't have too much con- uh, like too much faith that he's going to be utilized and used all that much. Um, ha- having said that, you could hold him for this week because Devontae Adams has a horrendous matchup. Um, and De- and De- Devontae Adams has scored under 10 fantasy points in four of the last five games. Yeah. So you might want to hold him this week. And if it doesn't work out this week with De- with Devontae Adams having one of the worst matchups he's going to have all season, if he doesn't produce this week, then you can cut him. But it's a struggle. Um, but obviously we couldn't predict what was going to happen with all those changes happening. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, speaking of change, right? So something that really got me this week, and I, I said on the Wave of Wire show, I kind of reacted. And the thing we're doing a wave of wire show is you're reacting to what's happening and you haven't had all the time to process everything and rewatch things and <coughs> excuse me, look at the data uh, and, and go through all of that. So ultimately I said that Keontae Mitchell is potentially an RB three with RB one upside. If something happens to Gus Edwards going forward Um and I didn't really think too much about Justice Hill. But ultimately, Justice Hill, and I looked at this, I didn't see this data. Um, I watched this game, but I, you know, it's really hard to kind of get a view on the snap counts when you're watching it back. But that's why I wait for the data. He played on 61% of the snaps. Now, it was a freak game because they jumped out so far ahead of Seattle. They basically, Gus Edwards scored two touchdowns on five carries. And they went, that's your lot, son. Uh, we're going to bench you because you're you're on a roll and ultimately we've we we've won this game we won it in the first bit of the second quarter so the game was over um and they benched him for help you know just to make sure he stayed fresh which is a great strategy from an nfl perspective but i didn't realize justice hill played 61 percent of snaps and counter mitchell looked really good like he looked phenomenal but ultimately this belief that um that it was going to be just gus edwards and, and keaton mitchell going forward might not be true. 61% of snaps is significant. Now, I'm not saying Justin Hill is going to have 61% of snaps every week because it's a freak game. Gus Edwards didn't play much. But I, I'm i starting to pull the brakes a little bit. I did preface the waiver wire week saying it was a really bad waiver wire week. <laughs> I hope you did. And I said, don't spend more than five bucks on Kenton Mitchell because I don't believe he's got a huge like role because the Gus bus is there, right? So I do think going forward, if you made that, if you listen to that part, I think all of that kind of makes sense. But I just, I don't think Justice Hill is going anywhere uh, just just yet. Um, I can't believe I'm going to mention this, but I'm going to talk about Justin Watson. He, um, Sky Moore is like completely disappeared in this offense. Um, like he's completely disappeared. He's down to 29% of snaps. And it's Justin Watson, who is up to 74% of snaps. So it's it's weird. I'm not saying pick up Justin Watson at all because I don't think you should. Unless you're in like the deepest of deep leagues, you and I play in some of those, he might be worth rostering. 
Um, but Sky War effectively is not a thing anymore. You can, you can get rid of him in redraft leagues. He can go. Um, he's not going to produce enough this season on 29% of snaps. So he's clearly he's out of favour. It's Rashi Rice uh, and, and Justin Watson. That's where they're going with this offence. We're obviously Travis Kelsey and everything else. Um, uh, trying to think where to go next. Is there anyone here that you want to talk about? Um, I'd, well, let's talk about Christian Watson because I I have him in a couple of places and it's it's confusing. Okay, it's it's hard because it's a bit of a strange offense, right? Um, I. You know, not to hit my own horn, I, I've been saying for weeks, Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs are ahead of Christian Watson. Everyone kind of assumed that, you know, Christian Watson, he had this big second half of the season last year, that he was automatically the guy. Um, but he missed camp. He missed preseason and he missed the start of the season. It's a new quarterback. The quarterback's going to go with what he knows and what he trusts. And he's going to go to the guys he knows and trusts and he's played with. Jordan Love and Christian Watson have not had that much time together. Now, forget Dynasty, because in Dynasty, you got to hold him. But in redraft, it becomes really difficult to play Christian Watson. Um, two targets, and they were big roots there. Um, and like the fact that he's got the downhill, down-the-field plays. But ultimately, it's not a high-passing offense, and he is the third wide receiver. And he's the fourth receiver behind Luke Musgrave, because he's not played. He's, he missed the first play. He missed all that key part of the season. And he's not going to build enough momentum for the fantasy season unless something radically changes. So I'm of the thinking of, I don't think you can drop Christian Watson, but I don't think you can play him. Having said that, he has a really good matchup this week from a wide receiver cornerback perspective. So... This week is pivotal. I wouldn't start him. I don't trust the Green Bay Packers or the that offense to use him enough to, to start him. But ultimately, if he walks away with a great matchup, he's got the best matchup of all the wide receivers in this offense, although Romeo Dubs has a pretty good one too. If he doesn't get enough volume in this matchup where it can be exploited, that says to me he's probably droppable. Because this is the matchup. If you're going to use Christian Watson, this is the week to do it. It's a good matchup. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Cool. And then the only other one on this list that I've got is uh, JSN. Yeah. So this is why I like to go and watch the games back uh, where I can. Um, I watched quite a bit on the train as I was coming back from uh, my outing yesterday evening. And... um, Jason, so 91% of roots, which is cool, um, really good. And then I saw like he got he caught um he caught six uh, six catches, and I was like, I don't really remember much offense in this game. So like I was like, they put up three points. So I'm surprised he caught six passes. He caught four in garbage time late in the fourth quarter. So it was like the last couple of drives that effectively is he got a load of garbage time points where being kind, the Ravens, they'd won the game. They played very soft. And points are points, right? I'm not sitting here and disputing the points are points. But ultimately, why that's important as a distinction 
is that you would look at the stat line, you think, oh, well, JSM was reasonably impactive today, even though the, the Seahawks stunk. And actually, not the case. He was not in the game until the final two minutes, or f- I think it was about four minutes or so. But he effectively was on the periphery of this whole game. And this trends to what I, I've been saying for weeks, that JSN is just not a guy you can start. Ultimately, this week he has a great matchup, but all the wide receivers in uh, in Seattle do. We know that Tyler Lockett is banged up. So if Tyler Lockett is banged up, we might see some more JSN this week. But ultimately, if all three are healthy, JSN, you can't start him. But be interesting to see what happens going towards the end of the season if they do include him more. But the 91% of roots is is encouraging. That's That part is is encouraging to know. Uh, I missed, obviously, at the beginning of the show, I missed it. Have you talked about Kyler yet? Not really. Um, is there anything particular you want to cover with, with Kyler? So, my question is, obviously, people were stashing him and stuff, and with the state of the quarterback landscape right now, it is... It's very, very rough for some people. I I have him in a dynasty league in which I don't know whether to start him this week. Um, it's a league where you get a point per completion, um, which I've been starting Sam Howell fairly reliably for the last few weeks because he's been absolutely slinging it all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he's been putting up. But I've got my three quarterbacks to choose from this week are Kyler, Sam Howell and Gino. And I'm not entirely sure who to start. And I don't know whether I'm considering Kyler just because he's back. Wow. Like, that's close. So, my quarterback rankings, and it's not fitted to your scoring, it's just the regular quarterback scoring, is Howell at 10, Gino at 11, Kyler Murray at 12. Perfect, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't... So, here's what I would say. Using logic, Ky- look, the only reason Kyler's 12 in my rankings is because the quarterback position is trash. Like, it, 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 we're talking about it, it, it's as bad as it's ever been. He's got uh, a reasonable matchup against Atlanta. That, um, and, like, these are the names I've got after him. Uh, Russell Wilson against Buffalo, because you can get at Buffalo, but ultimately he's been awful this season. Baker Mayfield against Tennessee, because Tennessee's D is quite good. Derek Carr, because it's a Taysom Hill offense. Josh Dobbs, Will Levis, because Tampa will pick him off. Um, and then Tyson Bajet against Carolina tonight. And I might even move Bajet up because I just think he's cool. Because um, the position is just complete trash, so I, I don't even mind anymore. Uh, so, like, I'm sitting here thinking, I just, out of, if you've got those three quarterbacks, I just don't think you can start Kyler given the fact he's not played in almost a year. He could be great. Like, he could be. He has a matchup that could be played reasonably well. They're going to be... But I think... What about... How many how many rushing attempts have you got Kyler down for this week? Because uh, you also get... You also, you also get points per rush. I haven't got my sheet in front of me. Um, I don't think I've got that many. I think because I'm a bit worried. I think I've got him at about six, maybe seven. That's seven points. I um, yeah, I um, don't know. I, yeah, I mean, he'll have more rushing attempts than Gino Smith and Sam Howe combined. Yeah, but, 
yes. But then he might not throw it as many times as Sam Howell does. <laughs> he won't throw it anywhere near as much as Sam Howell. Um, that's one thing I will. Uh, that's one thing I will tell you. He will not throw the ball anywhere near as much. Sam Howell will throw the ball a ridiculous amount of time. They're going to be in negative game script most of the way through that game. And they can't run it anyway. Yeah. So I expect Gino to be quite conservative to a point. Uh, yeah. I, I, given your weird scoring, I would say I'd probably look at that and say Kyler Murray from a rushing perspective. Or I would look at, um, yeah. Or I would look at uh, Sam Howe. Sam Howe's where I'd go. I just think go with, go with what you know. Ultimately, we don't know enough about. Kyler Murray in this Jonathan Gannon um, yeah. offense. I'm lucky enough that I've got a soft matchup, so I don't think it, it, it I mean, this is cursed territory right now, but it shouldn't matter which one of the two I start. I should be able to walk away with the dub because I'm playing a guy who's in rebuild. So it, it should it should be okay regardless. And I trust Sam Howe now because he's, he's, he's proven himself to me in this league, but yeah, yeah tricky one tricky one i just pulled it up so i think i i put kyla murray on i put kyla murray on for five rushing attempts i thought it was slightly more but yeah five rushing attempts is what i put him on for mm, maybe i'll stay with how then let kyla have one more week resting i think i think the thing is you just don't know what you're going to get it's a new offense as well so yeah. You know, I think that window of five to seven seems good for rushing attempts with Kyler, but yeah, I don't, I don't know where. I, I just kind of feel like starting him in a superflex is a must. Starting him in a one QB seems risky, unless you kind of like you've got. Uh, if you, I mean, listen, if you took him and you got um, uh, Hertz or two on by, then great, you know, happy days. Like your your strategy paid off. Or the same way if you did it for the, the 10 to 13, which is kind of where I was going for. I took an elite QB and then took, so like a, uh, I got quite a bit of Josh Allen, I got quite a bit, of, uh, and then quite a bit of Hertz and got a little bit of Tua and a little bit of Kirk Cousins, right? Um, so ultimately, when I switched strategies, but in all those leagues, I got Kyler as my QB2, knowing that the buy was going to be late and thinking he'd be back by week eight. All right, it's week 10, but ultimately, the he's coming time for when I needed him. Yeah, yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. Is that the doc done, brother? Uh, is there anything else interesting? other than Jahar Dotson starting to see an uptick? So, uh, worth keeping an eye on that one. Uh, solid, not great performances, but he's one to keep an eye on. A lot of that is precursor by Curtis Samuel, is slightly banged up. Um, and that Jalen Tolbert is a thing, which is interesting. And they've got a good matchup this week. So keep an eye on Jalen Tolbert, especially over Gallup. I, if you're holding Gallup for whatever reason in the redraft league, might be a super deep league, I'd go and add uh, Tolbert over Gallup because he's getting some more work. Um, but ultimately, um, yeah, just keep an eye on that. He's been efficient. Nice. So I got him on a watch list. See what happens. That, yeah. That's it. That's that's what I got for this week. Nice. This has been, uh, I think these last two weeks have been the most season-defining two weeks of my fantasy football career. I've had it, it's, I've had so many leagues blown up over the last two weeks. Just injuries have, injuries have murdered me. And I've, I, 
the leagues that have, that's happened in, I've been tooth and nail to get to where I am. And I just, I've been paling out that boat and the hole is now so big that uh, they're sunk. I can't pale fast enough. And it's, 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 I had a conversation with uh, somebody the other day about how this point of the fantasy season can be really draining if you've been grinding hard and it hasn't been going your way. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it can be. And, and, and you can see why the more casual player starts to give up at this point because if, you, if it just hasn't gone your way and you've struggled for the season, it, it, has, it is brutal. And then, yeah. I, I think I think the way I would look at this season, right, is I am um, I I said this before the season. I said it in week one. I felt that there was a lot of value to be had. I felt that players were wildly underprojected and wildly overprojected. And I think that if you and the lesson I would take from this, not necessarily for myself, but for fantasy players, if you are relying on Twitter consensus to tell you how to tap a team, you're going to fail. And that I've always maintained that belief, which is why I get so engrossed in the game. It's also why I did the pod on Wednesday talking about the stats to know, because people ask me, they want to get better and they want to know what's important when coming up with what stats do I look at when I'm looking at projections, when I'm looking at, buy low trends, sell high trends, etc. Um, those sorts of things. And so I did a whole pod. Where I talked about all the stats that I personally think about. Other analysts, other things might have different opinions, right? And that's fine. And I think you should collate as many opinions as you can. I'm open to that idea of collating opinions. Mm. But the decision-making process has to be your own. You have to decide what value, what delta you want to go for and what you value. We talked about a number of players that were grossly undervalued in this market by groupthink. Adam Thielen, Brian Robertson. I know he's tailed off a bit, but ultimately we're talking about halfway through the season he was a top 12 fantasy player here. Um, You know, we talked about a number of players who were grossly undervalued and a, and a ton of players that were grossly overvalued. Chris Olave, um, Garrett Wilson, um, Bijan Robinson. I, I never drafted Bijan Robinson. I didn't take him anyway. Just didn't, I did not trust. He was at such a high cost. I did not see how he could ever retain the cost. And I'm not blaming people for taking him at all. Like, if you believed that he was going to be that player, then you had to take him. I'm not doubting the talent, but it's more than talent. It's it's mm. more about you have to rely on so many things. So many things had to go his way for him to be the RB uh, the, the RB three where he's being drafted at the end. Like everything had to break his way. There was just too many things. The same with Jamar Gibbs. Like Jamar Gibbs was overdrafted. Like we talked about this. We talked about it on this show that David Montgomery was the most archetypal back that the Lions could have got as a replacement for Jamal Williams. And they already told us how they were going to play. They've never Mm. hidden that. They never denied it. So if you went in drafting Jamal Gibbs as a top 12 running back, people fall in love with the talent. 
And I get it. I want to draft the most talented players. But drafting the most talented players doesn't always work. Yes, it does if you've got a Justin Jefferson, for example. But at the running back position, drafting the most talented player doesn't always work. Because the situations alone can prevent that. And that's where you've got to have a bit more understanding and a bit more, I don't want to say nous, but a little less naivety. I think is where I would say is I think too many people, we talked about so much about going for the consensus. And I, I shared in a couple of groups this week, my, the consensus on my Scott fishbowl team, right? So my Scott fishbowl team was universally unpopular. People didn't like it. People didn't get it. People thought it was a, a blah team. It was kind of, yeah. Um, the projections had it finished last in its division. The I was projected to finish in the bottom 100 of the Scottfish Bowl with three different ranking algorithms all had me in the bottom 100 or bottom 150. Right? I'm 15 and 3 and I'm top of my division in points. And not much has grossly changed. The only fundamental changes on that team are Jimmy G's gone for Aiden O'Connell. That hasn't really benefited me in any way whatsoever. If anything, that's a downgrade. Uh, Jordan Mason went for a kicker. Um, and I think I changed the wide receiver. And Gus Bus, I had the Gus Bus. I took the Gus Bus in that draft. And he has elevated upwards because of the injury to J.K. Dobbins. That's really the only... And I, didn't, I haven't started him every week. And I've missed out on a couple of his spike weeks. So... I liked my build a lot more than everyone else did. I never predicted I'd win the division. Far from it. I'm not sitting here preaching that my way was the best way of doing it. Far, far from that because I don't believe that. But I always believed my bet. My team was much better than what people thought it was. And and that's my point is if you take all of this information to heart, this, the the sleeper projections, the ADP. If you draft on ADP this year, you've gone grossly awry because the ADP was off. It was badly off. We talked about it. We highlighted it. And if you saw that or understood it, you've done quite well. Ultimately, you've done quite well. You probably have quite good teams uh, yeah. if you've survived the injury apocalypse or uh, etc. But I think the lessons to be learned aren't that your strategy was wrong. It was, did you trust your own gut? If you haven't done well, did you trust your own gut and process? And if you didn't, that's fine. Like it's a learning exercise. No one's going to kill you for it. It's your team. But I think the lesson I would take from this is take big ownership from your team. It's great that you listen to pods. It's great that you ask questions. It's great that you ask picks, but I find pick questions the most annoying because it doesn't tell people why. Like if someone asked me, start this player over this player and they only cared about the answer, that's irrelevant. Like what's the point? What have you gained from that conversation? Yeah. Ask the question with the follow up question is why would you do it? And they'll tell you tell you why I'd have that player. And there's I get some start sit questions and they're literally players that are right next to each other in the rankings. And I'm like, you could go either. And they're like, Well, that's not helpful. Well, if I've got them right next to my rankings, it means I've got a very small point differential. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't I don't have a strong opinion. It's like asking me <laughs> If you're asking me between to pick between the wide receiver 36 and the wide receiver 37, that's probably less than a fantasy point. I have no strong yeah. opinion. I don't care. 
It, it doesn't matter because you, for me, I don't think you can get that decision wrong. And ultimately, if one goes off and one doesn't, you'll sit there and go, well, it was wrong. But it's about a process. Ultimately, you can't control it. It's not all done on paper. But I'm not going to sit there and put my name to that as a start sit decision and go, it doesn't matter. Go with the upside yeah. is how I always go. Go with, the, go with the upside. Go with the one you think could hit the ceiling. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's the same as asking Sam Howell or Kyler Murray or Gino when you've got them one, two, three in your rankings. So. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're literally like, but... I, I would preface that by saying that I, I wouldn't play Kyler in most circumstances because you don't know what you're going to get. Whereas you know what you're going to get with the other two. Geno yeah. Smith will bring the safer floor. Ky, uh, Sam Howe will bring a better ceiling. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. I, I think anyone yeah anyone starting Kyler this week has to. I think it's... Oh, 100%. Anyone that starts Kyler Murray this, this week has to do it. And I've got to start him in a couple of places. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay starting him. Yeah. I've got him at QB12. I don't have a problem with it. But I have to be prepared for the fact that he could be awful. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. I've accepted that because the alternative is Aiden O'Connell or worse. So or, okay or no alternative. In or no some, alternative. In some... I have in one league, I've got no alternative. So it's like, that's fine. I'll throw that out there because... I have no alternative. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. And 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 you know, if that's the situation you're in, that's the situation. In it's not a start sit decision. It's a start decision. It's, <laughs> you know, there's no there's no sit option. So you've just got to do it, and that's fine. Um, it's one of those. But that's really nice just him. start. Yeah. Yeah. It's just start yeah. decision. Nice easy one. Yeah. Go get that. Go get those easy ones because there's not many of those. <laughs> It is a really is. I don't think there's any start to decisions at quarterback this week. Yeah. Tough. Cool. Well, should we do it? Should we wrap up? We should. Excellent stuff. Well, Murph, I'm glad I managed to jump on and join you there to um, go through the rest of your knowledge because it was helpful, as always. I enjoy jumping on and getting your brain matter to dissolve my problems of fantasy football every week because it does help mm-hmm. it really does um rush nation don't forget manscaped if you want to look as box fresh as murph and i do with our stubble list faces thanks to the handyman head over to manscaped.com forward slash, and then use the code five yard at checkout for 20 percent off and free shipping follow murph on x if you're still on x murph is x even still a thing anymore i don't know um, at Murph underscore NFL. Follow the pod at Five Yard Rush. Yeah, Head over to the, the Patreon thing. if you want to support the pod on Patreon. We have tiers for one pound a month or slightly more if there's a tax thing, but it really isn't too much. Um, and yeah, until next week, Rush Nation. I hope you managed to survive the start six decisions that have been brought upon us. But yeah, until next week, as always, don't forget, keep rushing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.